All right, you're back in the DFSR. It's an NFL podcast. It's Wednesday. It's October 28th. I'm Doug Norrie, and over there is... James Davis. And we're coming at you with a cash game podcast for week eight. Could be a little different here. Most weeks by now, we published our cash game sort of initial look at what's coming up for the week, what we think are going to be um, core plays barring any big news. Uh, you know, things always do shift around. This week was a little different. We actually took a step back and... Well, not a step back. We um, we kind of hit the pause button because there's uh, so much information kind of hanging out there in terms of injuries, players coming back, things like that, that we haven't published it yet. Uh, we'll probably a little bit later in the week when there's a little more clarity, but wanted to talk about, we still think there's like some core plays at some positions that we think are probably you know going to be unchanging no matter sort of what happens. But, um, I mean, do you feel comfortable with this approach? I know we talked about it a little bit ahead of time, but this, usually at this time we're looking at what we've already sort of written up and spent hours uh, writing up. And this is this is one of the first weeks in our, I don't know, how many years we've been doing this? Eight? Seven? How many years we've been doing this? You know usually better than me. <laughs> seven years. Yeah. Seven years. In our seven years of doing this, and I think six with the podcast, that um, where we don't have where we don't have the plays in front of us when we go into the cash game podcast. But, like, I don't know. I feel like you think this is probably the right process, right? Yeah, and I think actually it probably is going to represent a shift going forward for us as we really look at this because particularly in football, it's it's one thing to take an early look at the week. It's another thing to say, here are the cash game plays for the week. And for you know more casual users, first-time viewers of the site and so forth, I think it's just better for them to have to wait a little bit but see the clearest picture of what we're seeing because what's frequently happening, like last week when we had so many running backs come off the shelf, you're not going to have a rep- accurate representation of the cash game picture at all. And there are cascading issues, right? Because if you think you're going to play three running backs, 7,000 and over, that's going to totally change the wide receivers you need to look at, right? Where if you're going to play two wide r- or two running backs at 5,000 and under, well, then you're going to have a lot of left mo- money left over. So I like this. I, li- I think I like this process a lot better. Yeah, um, are coming off a pretty strong week. Very good week on DraftKings, where we sort of landed on basically almost like a nuts cash game lineup um, uh, through the course of Sunday, based on what you were saying, sort of those cascading issues. Well, it ended up not being an issue, but uh, cascading sort of decisions based on injury news that was coming in. Actually, even for football, was coming in later than we're used to. Like Aaron Jones makes the trip and doesn't start. That's massive news that isn't almost more akin to an NBA slate than it is basketball or that it is football so um, I don't know if that's just the new NFL or we're just kind of uh, you know and that's just kind of the spot we were in last week this week for week eight a couple things that I, I could tell just by looking at the sort of the schedule that this was going to be a little bit of a harder week also mostly because the teams that we like to pick on uh, Jacksonville you know through the through the air Arizona to some degree um, even Houston, the, some of the work, Atlanta, they're all, not on the main slate. Some of these, te- New York, so some of these teams that, um, you know, are, are nice targets for DFS aren't on the main slate, and there's a lot of close matchups in this one. All In addition to a couple games that have massive lines, like Kansas City's minus 19 and a half right now over the Jets, okay? Um, I guess. By the way, people, people coming in on that Jets side, they saw 20 and a half, and they thought, I yeah, bet. I, I bet. I bet. I bet. I bet. Nineteen. I took the. I. I gave the points with the Chiefs. The Jets are so bad. <laughs> you did really. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um. Huh. That might have come down to nineteen at this point. Uh. I got it at nineteen and a half. Oh, did I get it at nineteen? Doesn't matter. Um. I did take the Chiefs side. Whatever. It, whatever it opened at. The um. 
So let's roll through some of these things. I actually court, think quarterback, there is a little more clarity here around quarterback than maybe some of the other positions. We're not dealing with injury stuff. We kind of know the matchups. Quarterbacks, as we know, um, while it's nice to have your set weapons, we've seen time and time again that you know a, a certain wide receiver or even a running back never shifts the line all that much. So um, quarterbacks, I think we can feel safe generally devoid of really almost any other information except, except for maybe weather. Like, right, you know, last week, we were pretty high in Mahomes going into Denver, and then the weather looks terrible. The line drops through the basement, and then we have uh, you know we can kind of get off that pretty safely. I started off with Russell Wilson. I don't love the matchup against San Francisco, but on this slate, it's kind of hard to ignore that he's one of the few kind of sure thing guys that we have left, and we've been talking about this all season. This list of quarterbacks that. Um, just exist in this upper tier, right? And that's like Mahomes, it's Wilson, it's Kyler. Uh, you know, we thought it would maybe it was Watson. I think he's probably still there. Josh Allen sort of creeps around it. I'm not sure Lamar Jackson's in this group. We can talk about it. <laughs> he plays Pittsburgh this week, so I think we can probably just feel okay maybe taking it off because Steelers are such good defense. But Wilson, he's gifted two things. One, unbelievable skill and nice weapons. And a defense that just can't stop a single soul. So he's for, they're forced to always keep their foot on the gas. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so I, that's just been the theme for him all season. It's they go down, they score really easily. Then the other team just goes down and scores really easily. <laughs> <laughs> and then they just kind of do this little game back and forth uh, until it's over and they've hit the over. Uh, I don't love the matchup against San Francisco because of the pace and the defense. But the other piece feels like Wilson just is just probably the, is easily the safest play here on this on the slate. Oh yeah, I mean his worst game of the season is twenty two Fanduel points. His second worst is twenty five and a half, and he, the rest of them are over thirty. So I would go ahead and call Wilson the safest cash game play on the slate. Uh, and the 49ers, too. While well, overall, when you look at their defensive numbers, it looks pretty good against the pass. Their defensive DVOA is significantly worse. So if anything, I think you'll see Seattle you know, try to target this even more than usual, uh, particularly since Chris Carson, his status is up and down right now as well. So I, I think Wilson is plenty safe, uh, absolutely a catch game play. And I think, you know, right now there's a lot of potential tipping points when it comes to running back injuries that might give us some value as well. So I think we can pretty safely pay up at quarterback this week. Yeah, I mean, in terms of average drafting points in the season, uh, Wilson's ba- la- la- almost lapping the field. He's two and a half points more per game than the next closest player. On the season, that's Kyler Murray. So, and then and, it, and then it really drops down to like almost four points when you get to Alvin Kamara. So, um, just incredibly safe. Depending on where we land on some of the price points for some of these other guys, I'm not calling him a lock, and that's really only price based at this point. Be, you know, just seeing where we get if if we're able to extract value because if we're not able to extract value at um, particularly running back, I'm not sure Wilson ends up a hundred percent there. And that being said, you, you really you wouldn't be going wrong by by playing him and taking him maybe a hit somewhere else. It's just that it's just that quarterback tends to be uh, a little more. It, it's just more uh, stable across the board. So you're not t- you're typically not taking as big a risk, you know, paying down at the position. The next guy I have, and I, I mean, just, and to, to hardcore people that have watched football this season, it's not gonna, or especially fantasy, this is not gonna be any kind of surprise. But Ryan Tannehill. 
is right there. He's not right there with these guys, but he's not too far behind this this top group of guys in terms of overall scoring. Um, you know, it, I think he's listening. I'm going to take out Dak. So one, two, three, four, five, six. Yeah, he's the seventh overall per game quarterback on the season. Which I don't know. I, I mean, you probably knew this, right? Like, it, I was. I knew he'd been really good. I, I didn't. I probably realized he was like he's ahead of Aaron Rodgers this season per game scoring. And I think the average. I think the average fan would would have put those two guys, even like average fantasy fan. I don't just mean like the average, you know, Joe six pack Sunday guy. I, I just mean like, the, you know, the average guy who plays weekly leagues would have looked at Aaron Rodgers and probably said, oh, he's easily outscoring Tannehill, but he's just not. So Tannehill gets a nice matchup this week. It's one of the better matchups on the slate uh, against Cincinnati. I'm kind of thinking we might even end up doing something like a Tennessee stack because Cincinnati is one of the bottom of the barrel uh, basement teams. Thoughts on Tannehill? Yeah, well, Tannehill is funny because so part of this is utterly sustainable, right? He's the 68.5% completion rate is essentially, it's less than the 70.3% completion rate he had last season. Uh, Last season, he had an excellent touchdown interception ratio. He's picking that up once again this year. I think by and large, it looks sustainable. Maybe he's running a little bit hot on the touchdowns, you know, especially with Derrick Henry there, you figure they're going to score down and close with running a little bit more than passing. But even that being said, uh, he's got A.J. Brown back. A.J. Brown has looked fantastic. There are He's making it work even when he doesn't have all of his premier weapons too, getting you know various different guys big weeks from time to time, Ferkser and Johnny Smith and so on. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm somewhat of a believer in Tannehill. I don't think he's on the level with Wilson, but you also don't have to say, pay the same price for him either, right? And... Uh, especially on DraftKings, where that winds up really mattering, I-, I could probably be talked into it. Yeah, he's twelve hundred less than Wilson on FanDuel. That's material. Yeah, I mean, that's I the difference that. between like an RB two and RB one. You know, if we're just like looking at tiers, so um, that the twelve hundred makes a difference. the The price difference, I think, it's not as stark on DraftKings. Let me just look real quick. Um, yeah, it's about a thousand. It's a thousand difference, though. When you look at percentage salary uh, cap, that works out to probably be about the same as what it is on FanDuel. So it does, but also make, just my experience from week to week on DraftKings is that the money just winds up mattering a little bit more. Like it's rare that we wind up sticking yep. in a FanDuel lineup. Um, that just where there's a guy that doesn't feel great, and that is common on DraftKings. <laughs> so, uh, oh, and this week, this week's more, um, as much as that. I mean, early on, right? Like, we're not we're not calculating and setting it now, and then you know checking in Sunday morning, Sunday at one p.m. to see <laughs> to see how we did. But this week, more than others, I thought when I ran initial just calculations, I was like, "Oh, Marcus Johnson. Okay, hold on a second, you know." <laughs> like, and I don't think even the inputs are all that wrong for guys like him. But it is it speaks to that this week is pretty tough because the guys who have been doing it all year, DraftKings has corrected their price to make you really think about it. And at that point, you're really, you know, you are, you might have to get a little bit into the speculation business. I did think it was funny. I do think DraftKings is kind, only because of the, the rushing ability, is kind of daring you to play Cam at 5,700. And I get that he's been horrible the last couple of weeks since back, coming back from the COVID piece. But I think he's hurt. 50, I, don't, I don't think you can mess with that. Even at 5,700, the way he was throwing the ball last week, I think you texted me saying that it looked like the ball was too big for his hands. Um, oh, yeah. He's been he was absolutely horrendous two weeks in a row. And even the rushing was there against Denver, so you like to see. But 
I don't think you can play him. But I think we've only discussed two plays, and we're 10 minutes into the podcast, so I don't know. Oh, yeah, my bad. I'll, I'll throw the third one out real quick, and we can move on. But uh, Derek Carr is even cheaper than Cam. He's 5,500. He's like QB 18 on DraftKings or something like that. It's just a mistake for how how good he's been. He's just been good this year. He's got a 70%, maybe even higher, 70% completion rate. The touchdowns and interceptions are almost two, about 2-1. Two to one. Uh, He's not going he to – he's been taking a few more shots downfield. I thought I think gets an okay matchup here against Cleveland. It's mostly just the price. Like, like Carr is in the Sam Darnold. You know, let me look. Sam, the other guys around him are Tua, who you don't know anything about. Although I find that to be somewhat interesting, but you can't play him. Tua, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, Drew Locke is two hundred less. Sam Darnold, like he's in this bottom tier of guys, and it just is. It's a mistake. So anyway, just to point out, and I, I do think there's a world where at fifty five hundred, like last week with Herbert. And Burrow, we really sat there and stewed on it. Um, I think there's a world in DraftKings where you can play these guys in the right matchup. So Carr, I like Bur- I liked Burrow and Herbert more than Carr last week than I do like Carr this week. But I do think Carr is an interesting guy. I, okay, so let's move on because I think that those quarterbacks, I think we are going to be picking between some combination of those guys short of some other news. At running back, though, the situation gets a little hairier. The Well, where do you want to start here? Because let's start it this way. Are there any running back plays that you think are just right now safe plays? Like, it looks like Michael Thomas is not going to play again this week. Would you put Kamara back into the cash game group here with Thomas looking very... The last note that I saw on Thomas was he looked like he was unlikely to play. And if not, let's move on to someone that you do think is safe. But uh, where do you want to start here with running back? Yeah, so I think... The Thomas thing, I wouldn't rule him out just yet. Um, right now, the note is that he could miss week eight. Uh, I know that it was close last week. So situations like that, this is why talking cash games early in the week just sucks because you can literally do this for six different guys <laughs> running back and say, well, it looks like he'll play, but he might not play, rather than at the end of the week when we'll be able to say, yeah, this guy's out, so play that guy. Right? I think it's just a lot more clear. Um, if Thomas were to sit, Kamara becomes totally playable again, even though it's a tougher matchup against the Bears. Um, and there were just a few situations where you can say essentially the same thing. Aaron Jones, it looks like he's going to play. He was hoping to play last week. He didn't. Jamal Williams wound up getting it. Uh, Joe Mixon, it's kind of the same thing where he's currently, I think, oh yeah, it's been upgraded day to day as of a couple days ago. So that could mean anything, right? If he sits, Gio Bernard becomes a great play again. Uh, the guy that the new addition to this list of questionables is Chris Carson. Uh, Carson left the Sunday game against Arizona early, and he's been considered week to week. So I guess that's worse than day to day. Yeah, I'm not sure because they only play once a week anyway. I don't know if, if these guys know that, but um, I think you know, kind of common consensus is that he'll just wind up missing this week. But again, that's not set in stone so and carlos Hyde and carlos hyde's got a, ta- a questionable tag on him too exactly. and so you then you had all are we going all the way down to dj dallas so um let me just rewind because you threw out a lot of names there um just so we can like synthesize some of this quickly and and not move on but well there's nothing i don't i don't know that there's much to synthesize other than the main point which is that there are a number of things that you're going to have to keep an eye on so right now assume build into your time to either check in on our injury article which will be up sometimes Friday night, sometimes Saturday, depending on, you know, if they make any definitive declarations on Friday. Uh, Just plan to keep an eye out for that because right now there's nothing useful we're going to be able to say about any of these plays. They're all plays. All the things we've listed so far are definitely plays if 
they're you know the the key component winds up going out and probably you know if these guys wind up playing then all these come off your radar so and there are a couple safe plays we can get to too but I just wanted to give a, a big picture view of these before we went into this. And we'll get a little bit more into the game by game thing, but I wanted to roll through some of the other issues that you have at running back this week. And besides the ones James just mentioned, like you have the Dalvin Cook and Madison thing, like Cook looks like he's coming back or could come back and they're underdogs. You have a whole new situation in KC where they were like fine giving Levy on the ball last week and he looked okay. So that's kind of the end of that situation for everybody. Um, you know, at times I've been like into Miles Gaskin. And now you have two under center, and you just have no. We just run RPO stuff. Like you have no idea what they're going to be even running at this point. So you have to, you just have to kind of take a wait and see on uh, on these guys. Or quickly, do you think there are guys right now that almost independent of news? I, I have two guys that I think I'm. I feel pretty comfortable with, especially just like one cheap running back came in, and maybe not even if like, and maybe if like every other situation goes sort of sideways in terms of like Michael Thomas plays and all these guys like I have a I have two guys that I think I want to throw out there for you but I don't know if you'd like the word like one or two real just stable can feel good about it even here on Wednesday well yeah I mean assuming that you get the money to pay for it you can certainly play Derrick Henry yeah uh, he's got a great matchup against Cincinnati this week um, you know he wound up being playable even in what amounts to the toughest matchup for opposing running backs in Pittsburgh so Henry is totally viable as always, though, you're going to run out of money eventually, right? So he's a good play. He's also 9500 We've seen historically that you can often fit a $9,500 running back in, but you can't always fit a $9,500 running back in. Like if, if all of these running backs just go the wrong way for us and they wind up like playing or being on a timeshare or whatever, all of a sudden 9500 is going to be tough to come by, right? Because, yeah, we're going to be able to find some nickels and dimes at wide receiver like usual, I think, but... But there are some good payoff options there as well. So I just don't think Henry's a lock. I mean, and I don't, you know, it's not going to make one sound very smart to be like, yeah, play Derrick Henry against a, a bad defense. But right now, I think he is. He's, he's established himself again as just the safest overall option. You know, the touches are 20 plus a game. He gets all the touchdowns down and close. Uh, seven touchdowns in his last four games. So, yeah, if you can play Henry, play him. But it's just no guarantees that you can. Yeah, he was the guy. I, I, I wouldn't mind going back. I think I could probably talk myself into going back to Kareem Hunt. He was a chalk option last week. Uh, we had him on FanDuel but not DraftKings, and that ended up being, you know, working out fine. But um, the intention there is still to just kind of play him almost every snap. I know he sort of disappointed in terms of no touchdowns last week. But the usage for me is still what I would deem to be very much in the safe range. And as of that game was a big total, 53, Cleveland's three-point home favorites here against Las Vegas. I would probably put Hunt in that group of guys that I'd feel fine going back to. And I'd actually be interested to see his ownership because, again, he was a chalk play, a heavy, heavy chalk play last week and underperformed relative to his price. But... Um, I don't know. Well, no, I didn't. Last week, he was fine on his price, right? He was 7,000. He scored like 18 and changed fantasy points. Really? Wait a second. Um, oh, he sort of... Uh, 17.7. Yeah, he had a receiving touchdown. Okay. So anyway, I... Okay, my bad. But he's, he's also much more expensive. So there's a lot of a lot of moving factors with Hunt where he's 1,200 more than he was last week. But he's also got a fantastic matchup. I mean, in terms of DVOA against the run, Vegas is second worst in the entire NFL, right? Just barely ahead of Miami. And then that group is significantly ahead of the field from there so yeah this is this is about as good a matchup as it gets and i think if you don't wind up being able to afford henry 
Hunt is actually a pretty decent consolation prize. Um, let's go to wide receiver. Uh, actually, let's take a quick break, and then we'll go to wide receiver. Uh, wide receiver is... So, okay. Wide receiver, more than any other position, at times can be look like a list of guys who were good last week. And that's and sometimes it's guys that are just kind of good every week because the price doesn't adjust. But often it can be it can be um tempting and sometimes correct to just go and look at like the you know one week's worth of um production and assign some number higher or lower than what the player has done on average or like on a median, you know, base over the course of a season and assign that number as the new number of targets. And I'll give two examples. And I think they're obvious. One is Devontae Adams, and the other is Tyler Lockett, right? Both are amazing last week. Both are excellent receivers. Uh, so there's nothing about their skill here that we're not talking. I'm not talking, you know, one of these like bargain basement kind of guys that comes out of nowhere, you know, like uh, you know, Jeff Smith gets 10 targets for the Jets or something like that. You're like, hell yeah, we- let's go back to the well. Um, so the- these guys are pedigree guys that have just b- completely break it out of the box weeks. And I wonder. Like right now, neither of those guys are in our cash games. I have their numbers set at what I think is like the realistic expectation if we if games play out, you know, all you know for every game of the season. And I'm wondering if we're, you know, what our process is on guys like this. I don't know if it sounds like I'm stumbling. I, I just like I don't want you can't give Tyler Lockett 20 targets. That's how many he had. He had 20 targets last week, and he had not t- top double, double digits any game before that, right? So like, what's the realistic target expectation for a guy like Tyler Lockett? Uh, Devontae Adams, different situation because he's really, really expensive, um, and we have a long history of him just getting completely and utterly, you know, just only looked at by Aaron Rodgers when he's healthy. Um, you know, I have him at a higher target share. But, I mean, I set Tyler Lockett at eight and maybe eight and a half targets for this game, and I don't think you can really go higher than that. And I think that, like, the 20 is tempting, but that just hasn't been the plan for the uh, six previous weeks. So what are your thoughts here on these two guys? Yeah, so this this is one of the most complicated situations to assess in all of DFS projection, in my opinion, because football opportunity is is so dependent upon a couple of different factors that it's very hard to weigh how these are going to change from week to week, right? So... On one hand, there's game script, you know, is my team in a position where it needs to pass? Uh, in addition to that, there's cornerback matchups, right? So, you know, if if Metcalf isn't getting open, well, that's really going to help Lockett and vice versa. You know, if Lockett draws the tougher corner matchup, then it's going to be Metcalf that gets more of the, the target share. Um, there's just how the quarterback is feeling it. It's how things go early, right? A guy goes one for five on his first five targets or has a bad drop, like, there are just so many things that can go both right and wrong for a wide receiver that this can be extremely difficult. Uh, the weird thing with Lockett, and you wouldn't have never guessed this going into the season, is that he's just been super boomer bust. So he actually had one other double-digit target game against Dallas, but he had so he's got two games now where he had thirty-two and a half and forty-five point five Fanduel points, which is just otherworldly. Like you know. The best wide receivers in the league would be happy to have one of those games through a whole season, much less two through six, right? But then he's, the two games that are in between those, he was just awful. <laughs> he's having uh, five fantasy points, basically. So I think setting the target number, I think my gut feeling is that eight and a half is probably too low. Um, I think that 
the other major thing that we want to think about with wide receivers is that there is a significant recency bias. Like, like the targets you got last game are infinitely more important than the targets that you got in the first game of the season, in my opinion. Maybe not infinitely, but significantly. And I think if you want to look at that, like, I'd almost look at the first three games of the season and say, okay, in those games he had 8-8 eight, eight, and 13, and kind of, like, middling out from there, which would have him a hair over nine targets, like 9.25, something like that would be right. But this is a long a long look at how the sausage is made here. <laughs> we do this for every player, by the way, so if you don't, maybe you want to head over to dfsr.com slash deals and uh, get access to these projections, because this is a really a painstaking process for us. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think, obviously, you can't go 20. Maybe even double digits is pushing it, but... I don't think you just want to take the average or even the median on the season and, and go from there. Uh, I mean, look, the the median, the, um, I'll move on after this. The median was, well, okay, so I take it back. So the, the average, I'm, I was wrong by one number. The average is 9.67 and the median is 8. So maybe the, the realistic number is somewhere like 9.25 or something like that. Like if we're, if we're looking at those, and, I, and, and just using those numbers is probably like, and, that, and by the way, that number ends up being to right where you kind of like walk through, <laughs> through the process. Um and I think that probably is ultimately correct. And I just, it's been, we, it's been, you know, we said we've been doing this for seven years. It's seven years of, I find that this is like the one sort of theme that it comes up. And I get it. And a lot of times it is correct. So it's not like a bad process, I think. And, and I think, yeah, in the NFL, recency bias does weigh in more than, you know, say baseball, obviously, right? <laughs> um, and basketball is a contextual thing more than, more than maybe the two other sports are. But, Anyway, I kind of want to just talk that out because I knew um, we might not necessarily disagree about it, but I thought it was material to bring up like sort of how we end up walking through the process. And then with Adams, not to have to go back through the whole the process here, but where do you see Adams? I'll, I'll, I'll do it this way. Where do you see Adams' safety compared to Kamara and Henry? That's, I think that's the better way to put this one is when you look at – because this is the same price tier now we're talking about. We're talking about like this 9000 dollar price tier. Yeah, nine one. that's basically where Kamara and Henry are. You're not going to be able to play all three. If you had to rank the three in terms of priority going into this week, let's assume Michael Thomas doesn't play. Rank the three in terms of priority. Where would you put Adams? Because his price tier is now having you basically ask that question, and he's coming off like the guy on a per-game basis is the best wide receiver in football this year. So um, Yeah, I'd put him right there. Um, I think, and there are a couple of reasons for that. Um, the matchup, once again, is fantastic against Minnesota, bottom six team in the league. In terms of DVOA against the pass, I think that the way Green Bay relies on Adams is right there with Henry and others. I also think, and you get a little bit of extra cushion with the half point PPR and the full point PPR on you know whatever site you're playing on. I think as well, we've seen just a long track record of this, right? Like if you wanted to compare him to Lockett, now he's 1,900 more than Lockett, so it's certainly not apples to apples there. But we've seen that when healthy. And when Rodgers is playing well, that this is just sort of the plan, right? He's so definitively better than the rest of the guys there that he's just going to get thrown the ball. And I think the other major thing, and I think people miss this sometimes, is that in football, opposing defenses can just decide to sell out to try to take out a guy, right? Mm -hmm. And so with someone like Lockett, you would assume that last week, that Arizona wasn't selling out just to take out Lockett, right? Because they also have Metcalf. Metcalf's been better. Lockett has been kind of, you know, cast aside in some games this season. With Adams, but after seeing last week, you can imagine a case where the Niners go, 
oh, well, geez, we're not going to let them <laughs> do that to us, right? Like, we're going to double him a little bit more. Or, you know, there's steps you can take. But with these definitive number one wide receivers, they just deal with this every game, right? So you can't do, everyone knows you're supposed to stop Devontae Adams. But, you know, it's like Mike Tyson said, like, everyone has a plan until they get hit, right? right. And so you can plan to stop Adams all you want. Basically, no one has demonstrated an ability to do so. So, yeah, all that taken together, I think he's plenty safe. If I had running backs I felt comfortable with in that seven to $8,000 range uh, where I could, you know, pay a little bit less and pay up for Adams, I'd be happy to do so. Because, you know, one of the things that we repeated how many times on Sunday were we sitting there going, I hate all these wide receivers at 7,000, right? Yes. Like <laughs> every single one. Metcalf, we wound up playing Metcalf and we hated it going in. And we were like, this is the worst play in our lineup, and we wind up getting burned on it, right? So um, I really don't mind locking up wide receiver safety. Here. Yeah, look, we have Adams projected for the most overall points um, on the slate, right? So like for, for a flex, you know, I'll just call it the flex position because that just encompasses the running back and wide receiver and tight end. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, we have him right there with Kamara, and he's basically a point and a half. Oh, no, excuse me, he's a... No, no, sorry, I was looking at wide receivers. He's three, three and a half points higher than the next highest wide receiver, who's Keenan Allen uh, on slate, who I love. I wrote up Keenan Allen. As well, so yeah, I think I'm. I think I'm with you on Adams. I did write up Allen. Allen remains underpriced here. Uh, the price comes. We played him pretty happily on both sites last week, and were rewarded because. Um, and I was actually shocked by how little he was played, <laughs> based on the matchup and based on what's happened with him with Justin Herbert. Like he's just been an absolute beast with with Herbert around. I don't like. I don't know. It's one of those ones again where I saw the ownership and I was like, "What? <laughs> like, what is that?" And I was happy. I was happy about it because I'm like, "What is everyone looking at here? This guy's been double-digit targets on lock. He had the two-target game, but that was just it was just said that it was back spasms. Like, we got a definitive word. It was back spasms is not is no longer an issue, and that was it. And then he just goes out there, gets 13 targets, goes 10 for 125 against the worst pass defense in football, and away you go. I have no problem going right back to him this week. Um, so the matchup isn't as juicy. So against Denver, a uh, little bit slower pace. Denver has a better defense. But look, young quarterback, we now know the plan. It's like sort of like Adam's light, right? <laughs> like if that's – is that a way to put it? Because it's like, oh, this is just the plan. The plan is to get him – to move him all over the field and get Justin Herbert uh, – get him the ball. And they run a bit yep. more. And that's it. Is there anything more to discuss here with Keenan Allen? No, he's too cheap. And, you know, we've, we've seen that – he will stay too cheap when he's not producing outsized touchdowns. And, you know, happened again last game against Jacksonville. So I don't know if you can just say that's who he is at this point. A guy who's going to chew up, you know, yards between the 20s and not get in the end zone as often as he needs to. But Herbert's good enough. And I think this Chargers offense is good enough that I don't think there's anything like endemic to Allen that makes it difficult for him to score touchdowns. I just right. sort of feel like uh, that's been bad luck. So, yeah, I think if he's going to continue to get this target share and catch 10 balls a game, he'll be getting in the end zone as well. And, yeah, I think he's a fantastic play. As soon as he does, by the way, he'll be like mid-8,000s right away. This is just a price. Sometimes you can just see it. You're like, oh, right, as soon as this all comes together, he'll be right there with the top guys. And uh, assuming he stays healthy, I think he's on that track. Yeah, and he had two targets inside the five last week. And they just didn't convert, right? And the, I, I will say neither of them were close, but they were. They, it was. It was. He ran. The, the route was there, right? And that was. The, he. They're going to go down as red zone targets. Um. But so it wasn't even like he's not. He's on the field in these down and close situations as well. He's not goal line. He's not a goal line guy. But he's 
you know, the next level back. And so um, I do think the touchdowns will materialize at some point or a touchdown will materialize at some point. Let me just roll through a couple of cheap names. We don't need to go too far into them. Uh, I do, I'm interested in the Cleveland wide receiver situation with Noah Adele Beckham. Rashard Higgins saw a decent target share with him out. Uh, we could see a bump up for Jarvis Landry. Higgins is the better probably downfield comp for, for Odell. I mean, he's not Odell, but he does uh, have, he is more of a downfield threat. So I could see Higgins is kind of like, close to a lock for me in cash um at least on DraftKings at 4200 maybe a little closer on FanDuel and then depending on the on the Michael Thomas situation we did saw the oh it came so close to playing Marquez Callaway in cash last week on DraftKings at 3k and just didn't pull the trigger and ended up like kind of swapping it for Traquan and I was so regretful because the track I was just like man the, the, the Callaway thing probably is better for the price and he ended up getting there price is only 5,000 on DraftKings 3,400, uh, excuse me, 5,000 on FanDuel, 3,400 on DraftKings, uh, and he saw pretty decent targets. I do need to wait. Only thing there is, do need to wait and see what's happening with Emmanuel Sanders. Uh, he was on the COVID IR list, and it hasn't been shown that he's cleared it yet, so I just, we need to wait on that. That's the only thing sort of making me pause. Let's finish it off with tight end. Um, thoughts here on the position. I'm close to a guy, there's a guy for me that's close to a lock here, but I'm wondering what your thoughts are. Hmm. I did not have a guy that was close to a lock for me. I mean, unless it's one guy that maybe it's it's kind of obvious. But um, the, t- the position is just horrible. It's straight up bad. Um, the I was looking at the... like So first I cr- calculated lineups and I was like, eh, this doesn't look that great. And I was like, who was good last week? Because at least sometimes like you can squint and see stuff. And it was like Evan Ingram... Kinda, I guess. <laughs> he had 46 receiving yards, but at least he had nine targets. He's not even on the slate. Uh, Gronk, not on the slate. Richard Rodgers, not on the slate. You're getting the, the gist here. Um, and then you have, I was like, well, who's just good in general? Oh, Kelsey, but he's got the Jets. There's just absolutely no way you could take a member of the Chiefs passing game against the Jets, right? Like that game could be over in the first half. So some guys right now that are still kicking around for me, it's two other relatively expensive options in both Kittle and Darren Waller. Uh, I don't know if either of those guys were the ones that you were leaning heavily toward. Um, Kittle was on track to actually pay off last week, but he obviously wound up losing his role just because of the the game script and the Seattle back and forth thing. That was kind of what I, that was the one guy I kind of anchored in where I was like, you could do it, but dude, so now you want me to play Derrick Henry at 9,500, Wilson at 8,700, Adams at 9,100 and I get still get to spend 7,700 on a tight end like I, I should be so lucky right but this position is so bad that you might wind up having to play Kittle and just make concessions at what I'll call a real position because otherwise you're going to be entering the old you know tight end guessing game where you're like I don't know Noah Fant could score a touchdown and I just don't want to be I just hate doing that it's just no fun at all this is where I think it it, it was Kittle and this is where I think maybe a guy like Adams gets left out in the cold for me because I think the positional scarcity and the matchup here for Kittle does weigh pretty heavily and because you're right basically basically the fact that the list was so putrid even like one step down (laughs) From Kittle, I thought, like, because even if you go one step down, you get Kelsey, but the, the that game could just be completely over. And then you get on to Waller, and may, maybe you squint and see it with Waller, but I don't think the price difference is big enough. And so, and then after that, it's just, it's over, right? Like, it's just... It, well, yeah, like last week, Hunter Henry was the chalk tight end, right? He was, like, more than 50% owned, and he showed you exactly what you get for paying 5800 for a tight end 
<laughs> no track record. Yeah, and we rolled the dice on Jared Cook, and he scored a touchdown. And, like, that's all you can ask for. Woo-hoo, right? Right. go us. Right. We got the guy with the touchdown. I'm not clapping. I'm not patting ourselves in the back. Right. I'm and just Cook, saying Cook we... was awful, too. Yeah. You know, he had four targets. So I think that the position is utterly terrible. And, you know, I kind of treat it like catcher in baseball, and I wish it would go the way of catcher uh, in baseball, at least the direction it's heading, where you either just go cheap and hope to get lucky and, and just pay less, right, and just be like, man, I'm sinking 5K into this terrible position, but maybe I'll get a touchdown. Or you make concessions at other positions. Oftentimes, it is still mathematically correct to just go cheap anyway. Right now, our system is leaning towards Kittle. I'm honestly not sure if that'll hold up. Like sometimes tight end is is not as readily reported a position as some of these other ones. And, you know, there's a world where like, say, Tyler Higby's out and we can run Gerald Everett maybe, you know, like Everett's was reasonable last week but yeah it's just totally unexciting it's it's a disaster position and you just might have to pay my so. concern with Kittle last week was you know that New England would sh- you know make him a priority and shut him down that was not on pace to happen um it just it just the but just New England stinks so bad that they just got killed and and they were able to run the ball all game so um I feel pretty I feel pretty confident with Kittle and I understand and I get what you're saying that the price you know at, so, at some point you have to uh, you know, figure out the price, and this is where, again, like the scarcity of the position is just the is is really just the tail of the tape for me. But um, obviously, things will change. Couple bets that I want to just throw out there before we get out. Uh, we're gonna get out of here. Uh, the, some of these lines have moved a little bit, so it's um, I still I'm probably okay with them. But I got in Tennessee at minus five and a half. It's at Tennessee minus six and a half going into Cincinnati. I probably could still be talked into that number. Uh, definitely did like the five and a half a little better. So keep an eye. Uh, on the way that moves. Um, the other ones, let's see, I had, oh, Chargers minus three going to Denver. Denver's offense is so, so bad this season that um, it's just hard to imagine how they muster a lot of points. The defense is okay, but I do think there's actually probably room for upsides. The Chargers just seem to get more and more comfortable every week with Herbert under center. So um, that was the other number. And then the final one that I had, and these are all going to go up on the site uh, in terms of just uh, they're up on our site in, in an article, and you can read the full write up. I actually don't mind the Bucks minus ten and a half against the Giants. The uh, going into going into New York, the Giants again, another one of these teams is where you really can't understate. And that well, shoot, that get that's all the way up to that's up to a minus eleven now for Tampa Bay. But um, look at me, buddy, getting in the, the early line movement, going all the direction of your boy. But the uh, I know this is why we like to. This is why actually bets are useful to talk about early in the week because <laughs> right. you can. Oftentimes get better value on the good. But that one, uh, that one, it's again. There's like there is there's a very maybe even more than a lot of other seasons. There's a growing disparity between the haves and have-nots in the NFL and the Giants, the Jets, these two teams. I'm like, like I said, I got in at minus nineteen and a half at on KC. It feels like suicide because this is not this is not like some random college game where Alabama is playing you know, some, some local school and they're like a minus 43 and you're like, I think I could do it. You know, like, <laughs> like, like how are they going to keep it within 50? I just, I have no idea. This is Alabama, but like, that's where minus 19 feels like with the NFL and the jets are just so bad that I just, I, our system was like, yeah, dude, 19 and a half. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> so uh, those are just a couple of them. Uh, if you want more, we went seven and four against the spread last week uh, with our system with bets that we threw out in in our chat room. So uh, we we're giving those out on Sunday and really only kind of all during the week. Thursday night we have a couple. Uh, I have some bets that want to go in there. So go and check that out. You can get all this stuff at dfsr.com, dailyfantasysportsrankings.com. This is the site dfsr.com/deals. 
really get you started. Uh, that's a free trial to our NFL projection system. We've got PGA on there as well as they're still in season. Basketball may be coming back sooner than we expected. It's all covered. It's all covered under one subscription package. DFSR dot com slash deals will get you started go check it out and then you can jump into the chat room say hi one of us is always there myself james or our boy chris Terrell, uh, talking really any sport that's going on all right buddy we'll be back tomorrow when we break down this on a game by game basis let's get it